Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live.
God, we look to you tonight. Above the singing, God, above the music, above the songs, let your name be lifted high, Jesus. Let your name be honored, God. And we commit all that we are to you, God, everything that we do. And we reach towards you.
Good morning, good morning. I am going to unmute the phone lines. I don't normally do that for our Esther project, but it looks like we have one person on the phone already, and I don't want to hold that person up while we wait for the other ladies who are supposed to be here by video. So who am I speaking with this morning? Priscilla. I have no way of knowing who it is. It just shows me what city uh, or area code of your phone. So it'll just say Washington, D.C. is on the call. Good morning, young lady. How are you? I'm fine. I'm on my way to Minister Verlin's conference um, over in College Park, but I wanted to to call in. Oh, wow. What time does your conference start? It starts, well, it starts at 10, but, you know, the first half an hour or so is registration. So I'm on my way there, uh, but I wanted to listen in as long okay. as I could. I'm in Columbia, oh. so I'm leaving Columbia. Oh, I see. I see. You're out here with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You're near. You're near me. I'm actually in the office this morning. Usually, oh, yeah. I do the video. I do the video from home, but uh, I decided to come here today. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. my 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 internet at home is. Is is very weak, so I decided uh-huh. to come on into the office. So how are you? I'm well, thank you. God is good. I appreciate your effort, and I'm hanging in there, girl. I'm just going to go with the flow. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I don't know where the rest of the ladies are. I know uh, Deacon Sheila is uh, going to a class this morning, but where are Ruth and... Kendra and Carla and Kathy and all the other ladies. I don't know where they are this morning, but we're going to start with you. <laughs> okay, well, praise God. I will be Amen. listening. I can't all right. See. Oh, okay, that's that's fine. There's nothing to see. I'll just do this by audio for now, and if someone clicks onto the video class, then that means I'm going to have to sit down. Right now I'm just pacing. <laughs> okay. Well, praise, okay. praise God. I want to pray with you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being in our midst. Thank you that there's no distance in the spirit. Thank you that even though uh, we're all in different places right now, we are in one one place in you, and that is in your love, and I thank you for that, Lord God. Father, today is, is a fantastic day. I thank you for the, the rain, and I thank you for all the blessings that you bestow on us and reign over us. I ask you, Lord God, to bless us with a wonderful, wonderful outpouring of understanding today as we take this class. I ask you to teach us, Lord God. I ask you to give us understanding of what it is we're supposed to be doing to make sure, Lord God, that we are not distracted and that we are not focusing on ourselves. I'm asking you, Father, to bless us with the ability to really hear you today. Father, instruct and guide us in the way that we should understand how to become the wives that you want us to be, because according to your word, being a wife, a godly wife that honors you has to be taught. So we take this time to learn from your engrafted word, and we ask you to open our eyes in the name of Jesus so that we may glorify you for all our days. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, today's uh, lesson is, is... very keen um, in that I want to deal with sometimes something that we all go through. It's, 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 it's something that we all endure. If you live long enough, you will understand this, and that is grief. I want to deal with grief because grief is not always uh, regarding someone actually dying. Grief is loss. It's when you're, when you're sorrowful over what you have lost. And I want to address this today because when you are in a state of grief, that is when we have a tendency to do things we would not normally do. We make mistakes. We fall into sin even. We even say things, even outrageous things that we would never dare to say in any other situation. I wonder how many of us who are waiting to be married, well, not myself right now, but I remember when I was waiting. But in a state of waiting to be married, the loss of hope really is a grievous thing. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
So what I don't want to see happening is the hope that we had when we were little and we were growing up as young ladies and as we became grown women and we saw so many different things that we wanted and we were excited about it. We were thrilled. We were imaginative. And I mean, the possibilities were endless to us. And then time shifted and things changed and what we expected didn't exactly happen when we thought it would and our hope started to wane. Some of us even have lost all hope altogether. You could say that our hope died. And if hope is dead, if hope is gone, if hope is deferred, if hope is someplace beside you and you can't reach it, that will make your heart sick. And when you're in that state, what what are you possibly exposing yourself to when you're in that state, if you remain in that state? You will find yourself doing things that you would not do, things you promised yourself you wouldn't do, things you promised God you wouldn't do. You would find yourself thinking in ways that are not like you, that are not your standard practice. It's not your habit to think that way, behave that way, have that kind of attitude. You'll find yourself saying things because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak you'll find yourself saying things that you would not normally say. And after a while, bitterness can set in. After a while, you'll start finding other negative feelings that you would not normally have. Envy, contention, anger. And it all flows systematically and even systemically meaning it, it it goes throughout every part of you and it all seems to connect to one thing and that one thing is your hope is gone. There are things in the eyes of God that we just don't understand. One of them is why the time that we want to get married does not happen when we want it to. God doesn't explain that to us. We have to wait till we get on the other side and find out. We have to wait until we are married to that person that God has for us, until we are the wife that we're supposed to be. Once we become that person for that man, that's when everything shifts and changes. And then we can understand it. But before we get to that place where we understand it, we have to recapture our hope. Now, every week we study a different wife in the Bible. And today I want to study about a woman who is nameless to us, but God knows her name and her husband knew her name. And this woman was very wealthy. She had land. She had cattle. She had oxen. She had money. She had friends, family. I mean, she was wealthy. Her husband was a righteous man who feared God, and if he was a righteous man who feared God, then I am quite sure that his marriage was one where she too, following her husband, walked in righteousness and feared God. I don't believe he would have stayed with her all those years, building with her, if she was wicked and evil. In their marriage, they came to a point where they were touched by an enormous amount of loss that some of us can't fathom. They had five, let me see, three daughters and four sons. And they all, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting that wrong. They had seven sons and three daughters. And the amazing thing is, that means that she gave birth to all these children. That was a lot of kids for anyone to give birth to, first of all. That's a lot on the human body. For any woman to bear that many children was a tremendous amount 
of work. I just can't imagine what her body went through to give birth to seven children. But God had blessed them. They had ten kids. That would be unthinkable now. But that's what they had. That's what they were blessed with, and they definitely took care of them. And they lived to watch their children grow up. They lived to see their children uh, established themselves. They each had their own houses. They each uh, spent time together. They would they would visit each other and and eat. They were each other's friends. They liked they they enjoyed each other. Like a lot of siblings don't do don't do that, but a lot do. And they were the kind of kids that they loved spending time with each other. So all of a sudden, all that changed. All that changed all at once, and a tornado came through the town and went right through the house where all of their children were eating and drinking and spending time together, and they all were killed. The house was flattened, and they were all they were all they all perished so we hear about this story, and because we don't know this wife's name, we only look at her husband. And because she's only quoted one time, we think that we know her. But what we need to do here in this place is put ourselves in her shoes and have understanding that before then, for all intents and purposes, as far as we can know, based on the fact that we know her her husband and what he was like, that she walked with him and was more than likely walking with God just like him. But all of a sudden, she had lost her hope. She had lost all that she had. She had lost every child that she gave birth to. And she didn't just give birth to them. She watched each one of those children grow up and become established and become strengthened. And they were all young people. They were all young. They hadn't quite married and had children of their own yet. They were just enjoying being young adults, hanging out, staying out of trouble, behaving because their parents taught them right. And all of that, the hope of them going out and evangelizing the world perhaps or the hope of them being missionaries or whatever we as Christians want for our children, I believe this couple wanted for their children and to pass on the legacy of their faith, to pass on the the, 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 the the lifestyle that they had taught them to honor God, to walk in righteousness, to fear the Lord, to behave themselves, to do good. That's what they hoped for, that we could pass on who they were in God to their children. All ten of them died at the same time. And this woman says to her husband, why are you still walking in your integrity? Why are you still doing what's right? Why don't you just curse God and just die? Now, that's all we know of this woman. But her husband, of course you know his name, he told her something very significant, and I'm I'm going to read it to you because sometimes we, you know, I don't want to get into the the paraphrase of this and not give you the exacts, and the exacts are what matter. So in the book of Job, I want to read to you exactly what he said to her. Chapter 2, and I want to look at verse 9 and 10. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? But what I want you to see in what Job said to his wife, he didn't call, is what he didn't say. He didn't call her a fool. He said, you're talking like a fool. You're talking like a foolish woman. He didn't call her crazy. He said, you're talking like you're crazy. In other words, you're behaving like someone that you are not. I know you. I have known you all these years, and I know you're not a fool, but right now you sound like one. Put yourself in her shoes. How many of us find ourselves saying things like somebody that we're not because of our grief, because of our loss, even if our loss 
is as intangible as the loss of our hope. It's understandable when you've lost a loved one. It's understandable when you've lost a job. It's understandable when your property has been stolen from you. What's not always understood is when you lost something that no one else knows about but you. Your hope is real, and you have the responsibility of keeping it alive. So if you have hope that you will become married, that you will be married, that you will have the man of God that you have been praying for, waiting for and hoping for, then you cannot let that hope go. Because if you do, you forget the spiritual law that the faith is the substance of things hoped for. You can't have faith without hope. There's no way you can believe God if your hope is gone. It's not, it's not possible to please God without faith, so you've got to have faith. But before you even get to a place of believing God, you have to hope that he can. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Anything, anything, nothing. We have got to stop looking around at our circumstances like she did. Look around at what happened, and we can do that because things happen. And we have got to start remembering that even this, like her husband said, is from God too. Even this is something God allowed. Even this is something that God is in charge of. Even this, even this, this Loss of 10 years, loss of 15 years, loss of 20 years. And you would hope that you would have your mate by now, that you would have children by now, that you would have a, a home and you'd be building and preparing to have grandchildren by now. This is a very real thing. It's something that you hoped and, and waited for and you chastise yourself, position yourself to walk upright before God. You repented of your sin and walked away from it, and you found yourself still not having what you waited for, still without what you'd hoped for. What God wants you to do is keep your hope intact don't allow it to wane. Don't allow it to become deferred to something else. Don't rest your hope somewhere else. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Deferred. Uh, put someplace else. Transferred. Reassigned. Repositioned. So you put your hope in one thing in God, and then when it didn't happen when we thought it should, or when we would have liked it to, we transfer that hope somewhere else, which is a confusing thing, and it's enough to make anybody sick. Now, this sickness is not a disease. It's not like when you have a virus. It's when something is out of sorts, out of place, kind of like when you have a queasy stomach. Your heart becomes kind of seasick because the hope that you had anchored in your heart for so long, you've now moved it someplace else. And so now you are involved in your work. Now you work all the time or you spend all your time in school, in one school after another school, one class after another class, one degree after another degree. You put all your energies and all your efforts into something else to distract yourself from feeling the pain of your loss. You lost your hope. And to deal with it, you just kind of curse the prayer that you had in God, curse the hope you had in God, curse even the timing of God, and just have a whatever attitude and say, you know what, I I give up. I'm not doing this. I'm going to just do something else. If God does it, fine. If he doesn't, fine. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Well, that's not faith. Hope is direct, hope is focused, hope is exact. You have to know what you want and be specific about it and refuse to let it go. He who endures to the end shall be saved. And that's what you want. You want your hope to be saved. You want your hope to last. You want your hope to remain despite everything that's happened. 
And you, as much as you can focus all of your hope on someplace else, you start hoping in, in your in your sisters and your brothers and, and you start putting your hope in, in, in good things for them and you put all your prayers into other people and what these other people need. And you want to spend all your Christian, Christian efforts on building the church and everybody else, but for you, what you really hope for, you put little or no effort because you don't want to face the grief again. You don't want to reignite an old flame that burns you out. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you might be hurt again. Some pain is worth it, though. Hear me. When you have a cancer, the doctors tell you, I'm going to have to surgically remove it. I'm going to have to take a sharp knife and sever your skin and pull back the layers of your flesh, your muscle, and go as deep as I need to go, even to the bone if I have to, to remove the, what's inside of your body that does not belong there. That hurts. But it'll hurt a whole lot worse if you do nothing, if you let it remain as it is. That will just grow. That will just increase. It will overtake you. It will consume you, and you will find that it can kill you if you don't remove the cancer. And that is a fact, whether it's a natural physical cancer or whether it's a cancer of your soul. So what do you do in this situation when you're grieving for what you've lost, when you're grieving for what? What do you do? You go right back to Psalm 51 just like David did. Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Lord God, my hope is gone and I'm grieving and the grief has become cancerous to me. It's consuming me. It's destroying me. I'm trying to ignore it, but it's still there. I may not see it, but I know it's in there. And you're the surgeon and you have seen it on your screen. You know that this thing is growing. You know that it's stage four. And you know that it is not only active, but it is violent. And I need you to take it out. Create in me a clean heart so that I can believe you like a child would, that I can believe you without thinking about it in the back of my mind, without making a plan B, that I can believe you without having any shadow of doubt. I want to trust you, Lord, but you've got to clean up all the filth and all the things that I've figured out on my own and all my rationale. Create in me a clean heart. Make it make my heart all over again. Renew a right spirit in me, a right spirit that believes you, a right spirit that trusts you, a right spirit that will not give up on you. I will sit right here until you come. I will sit right here until you come. I will not try to make amends. I will not try to make excuses for you. I will not try to explain what you're doing and what you're not doing. I will just sit and wait for you to stay that way on you, Lord, will renew their strength. That's how you get your hope back. First, you ask him to clean your heart. That's the first step. The second step is you have got to in, totally engulf yourself in his words. What did he say? Because Satan will forever ask the question he asked Eve, has God said? He will always make you question, always make you doubt always come at you to deceive you into not believing God. So you have to get into the word so that you know what he did say, what he did say. Going back to Job's wife, I want you to note something else. We look at what happened, but I want you to look at what did not happen. Because it, 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 it's amazing, you know, that when turn to chapter 20, 42 of the book of Job, I want you to look at what was not going on here. And this is how I know that God understands and has compassion on us. Chapter 42, verse 7, says, After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends. 
notice Job's three friends had said a lot of things, okay? A lot of things. The, the, the whole book is primarily the things they were saying to him that were wrong. He said, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now, God listed those three friends, but what God did not say is that I'm angry with you, your two friends, and Job's wife. That's what he did not say. That's what he did not say. Because he knew that woman had lost all ten children, seven sons. They had names, three girls, precious daughters, precious sons. She had lost everything she owned. So God wasn't angry with her when she said, curse God and die. He knows how we are. He knows that when there's sickness in us, and that sickness is grief itself, he knows how to take it out. He could have just killed her. He could have just said, how dare you speak of me that way. That was just one thing she said. The scriptures didn't say she said anything else. The scriptures didn't say that she left Joe. The scriptures didn't say, you know what, forget this. I, I, don't have, I, I can't deal with this, this life. She didn't move. She was grieving. Her hope was gone. But when her husband gave her the word that we ought to receive good and, and trouble from God, whatever comes our way, we should still honor God. She listened to her husband. And I'm hoping you're listening to, to this word today. You need to hold on to God no matter what happens and no matter what does not happen. Because God is worthy. He deserves our praise. He deserves our devotion. He deserves our attention. He deserves our trust, and he deserves our patience. Once we make up our minds to do that, put a smile on your face because God is pleased with that. He is pleased with that. You keep your oil filled with hope. You keep your lantern, I'm sorry, your lantern filled with hope. Keep it filled. Keep it full. Don't allow uh, what other people say to you to upset you. Because sometimes, sometimes they're speaking from their own lack of hope. They see that you're still not married. They've, they're lost. They're lost hope. They see that you don't have any children. They've lost hope, and they speak out of their hearts based on where they are, just like she spoke to Job based on where she was. You're going to have to be like Job in those moments and correct them and say, mm-mm, God gives us what he wants us to have when he wants us to have it. Don't let them put you in the corner and make you feel bad like you've done something wrong, like there's something wrong with you. Minister, I'm listening. It's a wonderful, wonderful message. I do wish you could be recording this. It is recording. It is a wonderful wonderful message. But I am on Route 1. I'm trying to get to the Marriott. Um, uh, where, you know, the, the church has held its other events, and I'm thinking I know where I'm going, but I must not. Um, is, is it at the um, U- University of Maryland? Um, I couldn't tell you. I know there's a Marriott on the University of Maryland campus uh, yeah. on the roadside, but I don't know if that's where the event will be, and I don't know if yeah, that's, that's the only where, Marriott. That's where it's, it's the University of Maryland Marriott, and I'm on Route 1, um, I'm, you I'm, should I'm probably be. On, you should be on 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 Adelphi Road. I think it might be oh. easier to go that way. Oh, I are you familiar? Are you familiar Road. with Adelphi Road? Yeah. Well, right now I'm on Route One, going towards the uh, University of Maryland down in okay. College Park. Okay. So, well, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know about the conference, so. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's called women um, on the front line stepping out. Uh, you know, it's a it's mm-hmm. a conference in, um, um, Minister Minister Bailey's. Um, okay. I don't mean to interrupt your presentation, but I'm I've been driving and I'm thinking I must not be in the right place. So I'm on Route One, so I should go down to um, 
Well, if, if if you're still on Route One, you can you can still get going to campus from that side also. Uh, you just have to go through a lot of twists and turns to get to the Marriott, which is all the way in the back of the campus. So, and so there may be signs to direct you there, but I I couldn't help you. Uh huh. So, but if I went down to Adelphi, I mean, if I go. Yeah, you can you can see it from Adelphi Road. You can see the um the Marriott. You can. So then I need. Okay. So then I need. Well, we we can continue. I I'm just gonna have to get on uh Adelphi Road, meaning uh I just have to go down here to 410 and hit Adelphi Road because I'm lost right now. Okay. Okay. All right, but I will continue to listen. I'm sorry. I'm hoping I'm not interrupting anyone else's because that's an excellent it's, it's uh, what okay. you're doing. It's excellent. It's okay. It's okay. I just um, it's, it's it is recording, so I um, I will continue if you're yes. okay now. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad I left the mute button off because you wouldn't. I wouldn't have been able to help you. It's not a mistake. Right. Thank you. Well, okay, so I'm going to go to Delphi Road, and then I should see the Marriott off of the Delphi Road, right? Um, yes, I believe you can see it right there. Okay, all right. Well, then, if you wish to continue, I will continue listening. And okay, I just have a, a few more, a few more uh, keys to, to to share with you, and one of them okay. is um, uh, if you notice that. After all of this happened, I'm going to go back to chapter 42, um, verse 12. It says, The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys, which is double what he had before. And, verse 13, he also had seven sons and three daughters again. That means he had what the same number of children that he had before, but it also means that this woman who had lived long enough to see her first ten children grow up, that even in her older age, we don't know how old she was, but she was at least in her 40s, she gave birth to ten more children, meaning she was quite possibly, if she had them like a staircase year after year after year, or if she she may have had twins or what have you, but let's say she just had single births. That meant that she was quite possibly in her 50s when she gave birth to the 20th child. 20 children came through her body. That's not an unheard of thing. We, we, we have some families in this country where the woman has given birth to several children, even 20 children or more. We've seen it. It's a, it's a matter of, of fact. It's a medical history, and, and that's fine. But this woman was older. She's in, let's just say she's in her 50s by now. What was key here, and I used to wonder why God mentioned this, why it was so key. But if I look at this verse, it says, verse 14, the first daughter, and he didn't name the ten sons. He named the daughters, which is very significant because it's rare for the daughters to be mentioned by name. But he gives the names of Job's second set of daughters. The first daughter he named Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapuk. Nowhere in all the land, and this is the key verse, nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. I want to stop there because a woman in her 50s or 40s even who is pregnant is told by medical science that if you have children at this age, your eggs are old like you, and you will produce children who have old genes and old chromosomes, and they will probably have different diseases and, and ailments and issues that they would not have had had you had this child in your 20s. This child will have all kinds of complications. This child will have all kinds of struggles, and you need to be uh, absolutely sure. Do you really, really want to deal with that? Because if I were you, I wouldn't have this child at this age because the child's going to have issues, and it's going to be your fault. But I believe that God, who knew that we would come to a point in our history of life where we will be told 
before we ever see the child, that because the child might have something wrong with it, him or her, that we should get rid of, abort, terminate the pregnancy, kill the child, just so that we won't have to deal with a child who may have issues. And God is showing us in this verse that these ten children that she had as she as an older woman, possibly in her fifties, not only was there nothing wrong with them, but the daughters were the most beautiful in all the land. That had to be mentioned, it had to be spoken. Because some of us who are who are older and desire to have children, we're going to hear that once you hit age 40, they're going to start calling you an elderly mother. That's what they're going to term you as. They're going to start watching you and making you see them more often, and they're going to fill your head with, 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 with fears and thoughts based on their own fact system. But I want to share with you this fact. This fact, when you've waited on God, when you've walked upright before the Lord, when you have stayed true to God and trusted him in hope that God will answer you, that God will see to it that not only will you be well, your children that you're believing for, they'll be just fine, and you have got to hold on to that. Your age has nothing to do with God's power. God is the creator, not your body. God is the one who makes that baby, not you. So your age has nothing to do with how that child will come. It's the destiny of the child that matters, who that child will be. Whether that child has an ailment or not has nothing to do with the spirit of that child and who that child will become and why that why the fact that God has made the child and is sending this child into the world, you need to focus on that. What is the purpose of that child? That is what matters. And God saw to it that we also saw that Job provided for those young ladies. We see in the latter part of verse 14, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers, which was not a standard practice at all. Now, if he only had daughters, maybe. But if he had sons, even one son, he could have had one son and several daughters. It will go to the son because the man needed to have that inheritance to pass it on to his children when he got married. But the daughters would marry someone who had inherited from his father. But Job wanted to be sure that his daughters were taken care of and that their daughter's destiny would not be in the hands of whoever they happened to be married to. And your father will do the same thing for you. So you should never wait that and hope that you'll be taken care of once you get married. Your father wants to make sure you're taken care of now. You rely on your father to take care of you, your father to give you an inheritance, not your future husband. Your father wants you to be taken care of now. He wants your house to be in order now. He wants your finances to be in in, in, in place and in good shape. That's what matters, not, well, one day I'm going to marry a, a guy who's going to take care of everything. He's going to cover everything. He's going to handle everything. No, no. Pay attention. Your father will take care of you. Your father will take care of you. So no matter who you marry, you're taken care of. No matter where you go, you're taken care of. No matter what his status or position or station in life is, you're taken care of already. Your father has you already. And there will be even more for you to share. I don't believe in the world's view that you should have your own and hide money and all of that. We're not even going to talk about that right now. What I do believe is we should put our hope and trust in the Lord and his capability. So no matter what you've lost, be it tangible or intangible, no matter what you've lost, You've got to let God remove that grief by simply praying, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. I don't want to be in grief over what I've lost. Loss of a spouse by, 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 by divorce, by death. That is a powerful, 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 powerful weight to carry. And you know you carry it when you still mention it. You know you carry it when you still talk about it. You know you carry it when you still reminisce to the point where you find yourself stopping and really thinking. And it's not a bad thing, but it can get in the way of your future. So create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. 
I know of a woman who buried her husband three days ago. What's today? Saturday? She buried her husband on Wednesday. And bury is not quite the word. She had the, the, the body cremated. And she wanted whatever could be done quickly. Quickly, get, just take care of the body. I don't care what you do with the ashes. Hurry up and do the ceremony so his family can, you know, have a time to grieve. But I just want my hands washed of this man. Their marriage was one of misery that spanned 29 years. Wow. She was a believer, and she stayed with him only because she was a believer. He actually gave his life to Christ on his deathbed, but at that point, she feels like, and these were her words, that I was never married. I never really had a husband. And if you want to count the last couple of days and hours on your deathbed, now you're a husband, now, that's a different level of grief. She's been grieving a long time, a long time. So I want to put to you today that you let go of the grief by asking God to clean up your heart and renew your spirit for you because you can't do it on your own. Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for teaching us about Job's wife. She wasn't just a foolish woman. She was a godly woman, just in a very horrible situation that none of us ever want to know. I pray for anyone out there who's gone through a state of misery where they say and do things that aren't like them, that aren't, that aren't like you that we would have compassion on them and understanding, that we would consider them and love them and extend a prayer for them. And, Lord, I ask if there's anyone in our group who's listening to this recording who is dealing with grief of any type on any level, whether it's an old or new womb, whether it's a, 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 a quiet cancer or a ravenous one that's in the last stages and is destroying us, Father, I ask you to remove this cancerous grief Remove this hardship and this heartache in the name of the Lord Jesus, our Savior. He died for us. He was a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with grief, well acquainted. So he knows how we feel. He is touched by the feelings of our infirmity. He gave himself so that we wouldn't have to suffer the rest of our lives. So, Lord, I ask you to create in each of us a clean heart, and renew a right spirit in us so that our hope can be restored, renewed, our faith can develop and become strong, and we can please you by believing and trusting you, and thereby, as a result and as a beautiful consequence, have your favor and every blessing that comes along with that. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for teaching us today. We give you glory and honor. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I just talked. You did what now? I just talked. It's amazing. Okay, okay, good. So you found it. I know this message was definitely for me because otherwise the Lord would not have allowed us to get, you know, I would have had to come earlier. I mean, even though I got lost, it was. Well, you know, if you had not gone on the call, I would not have recorded. I, I never I never teach to the air, so I would probably never do radio very well. <laughs> um, I always have to have someone before the door to get to, so to speak. Say that again. You did wonderful. You did a, it was a blessing. Praise God. Praise God. He, he is amazing. I, I learn something new every time we do this. So um, you, let me tell you right quick, you and all the ladies who will listen to this later, your assignment for the week, should you choose to accept it, ha, ha, ha. We were supposed to be coming off of reading the, the, the Song of Solomon, particularly uh, to find the three characters in, the, in, in that passage and what their roles really were. But this time, I want you to do something different. We, we, we focus on our soul today. Grief is, is part of the soul. Next week, we're going to talk about our spirits. And what I want you to do is take time to pray for someone that you know who should be in this group. And I want you to pray for them every day. If you know that they're battling uh, in where they are being unmarried, they want to be married, and they may be mad at God, 
or they're making excuses or they're at a place where they're saying things in their grief <laughs> that they probably wouldn't say if they weren't grieving. I want you to take, make it your business to lift up their name before God every single day this week. If you have to write it down and put a sticky on your mirror or on your refrigerator, pray for them every day. And then invite them to join our group. That's your assignment, to, to reach out to someone else. Because we have a purpose and we have a destiny in God. And God is, is raising us up for this purpose. When we do marry these men of God, we're called to help men of God. We're called to help men of destiny. We're called to help men of purpose. We're called to help men in the end times who have a, a distinctive job to do. And we have got to be ready for them. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I just, started, I just started to think of someone else that I know. You mean one of the people in the group or, or someone who's not in the group? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.